two horror sections coming for you. Three, four, Michael, lock your door. Five, six, don't pretend to be sick. Seven, eight, gonna stay up late. Nine, ten, Mike will never sleep again. <laughs> if you don't know, this week on the horror section, we dive deep into one of the founding fathers of modern horror cinema, Wes Craven's 1984 classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. This is the horror section with Casey Campbell and Michael Anderson. Sorry about that, Case. I think I wrecked that for you by laughing, but I couldn't. I could not laugh at that opening. That was genius. See, it just you know, I, I felt that was a good way to start the podcast, and actually, it warms my heart to see you smile as I sang yeah, it instead I, of running away in fear. I, I won't lie. When you very, very first started it, I could picture the little girls with their jump rope, but then I got over it and I looked in your eyes and I, uh, and I started to. Just see you. You're like, oh, that was about me. Exactly. Oh, it's it's a love letter. <laughs> exactly. Well, welcome to this week's podcast. Um, we hope you've been enjoying them so far um, as we're journeying through these movies. Mike, have you been enjoying your experience? You know what I've been most happy with? What's that? The conversations I've been having with people about this. I will say, we've actually had a really great fan response to this. Um, what, what, so you, you've been I, talking to fans as well. Like, what, what, what have they been saying? Not, what, have, they been, uh, have they been empathizing with you? Have they been calling you a scaredy cat? What have well, they no, been doing? Well, no, I think what is the best part about this is that we've drawn a little bit of a line in the sand, and people are like, I've listened, and I'm so a Michael. <laughs> or like, oh, I listened, and I'm so a Casey. <laughs> it's so funny to know that the horror section truly, you can't do this with the drama, like, People are okay with dramas, or they kind of like dramas. They either, or they there, there isn't as there aren't Howard's End conventions. Yes, exactly. There aren't you know a bunch of like oh Academy Award conventions where yeah. people go and like you know get autographs from I don't know some obscure Academy Award winner <laughs> from the eighties or something like that. So that I think has been the most intriguing part about this is just learning that the horror section truly was the place where you would walk in and you could love movies. Even even talking to my mother and my father about this, they've kind of been like oh, yeah, we would just pretend it wouldn't even exist, the horror section. Yeah, was... my mom definitely said she is a Michael. Yeah, and your brother said he's a Michael. My mother, my brother was the original Michael. Yeah. Because he was reminding me that, and we actually, we should have him on here as a guest, because he said that he was terrified because I would watch all these movies when <laughs> yeah. I was a kid, and he had no choice, because I was like, we're watching it. The big We're brother. watching, you know, Cujo, we're watching... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street or whatever it was. Yeah, I won't I won't get to I mean I'm sure we'll talk about this later in the podcast, but my first encounter with this movie was again on Halloween coming in in my like Gremlins outfit, having a pillowcase of candy like half filled because I was only able to go like down the block and my brother watching this movie in the basement. So, Freddy Krueger basement, me in a gizmo outfit and like being like so so just like wide-eyed and seeing like blood on the screen, and I was like, "Run!" I probably had nightmares forever on this. So was it a was it a genuine gizmo outfit or was it a homemade one? Uh, no, it was uh, one of those where the plastic masks, which I think like the, oh, F- the I think like the FDA has like they said like they catch on fire too much. They, or something. they, they were flammable, and you couldn't breathe. Through you them could at not. All. Breathe they had this through. tiny little like um, 
Advil-sized hole where your <laughs> mouth was, and that's apparently yeah, was enough. fine for kids to breathe through. Or do you remember this? They would have the, the where the eyes were cut in. Clearly, their their stamping machine like pressed down, mm-hmm. which meant that there was that little lip that would like kind of cut right. your eye. Oh, all it would the it time. would irritate the eyes yeah. and would yeah. We probably if you were a child of the '80s and you wore one of those costumes. There's a good chance you have eye damage. Yes, exactly. I'm wondering if LASIK surgery came about because of that. There's so many photos of like myself and my father who would like be carrying me because again, I was from Minnesota. So there were times, and this is not a joke, there mm-hmm. were times that the snow was literally three I feet high. I actually remember that. Yeah. I remember one Halloween in Nebraska. It was, I remember trick-or-treating. I think I actually went as Freddy Krueger. Oh, well, we're going like, to get like, into this. It was like a hybrid Freddy Krueger. I had an Indiana Jones hat and an Indiana Jones leather jacket. Freddy never wore a leather jacket. No. And then I had some like mask that was a mangled face. It was all plastic, but there was like, it was, there was a machete lodged into the face. Okay, that was not Freddy Krueger. You it were was, Indiana Jones gone wrong. <laughs> I was Indiana Jones attacked by a machete, <laughs> yes, essentially. Yeah. But I remember... Climbing through snowbanks to go trick or treating yeah, that year. Yeah. What I was going to say is there's so many photos of like my father holding me as a kid in different outfits of those plastic flammable outfits. He's holding my mask in one hand and my candy bag and me and like trudging through the snow. So thanks, Dad, for always making Halloween's amazing. There you go. Actually, today is November 9th. And it was this day in 1984, funny enough, I just saw that Nightmare on Elm Street was released. Wow. Yeah. So it's, That was uh, a nice little fact. I was going to say, it's kind there. of a, a very, you know, a, a fun coincidence or kismet that we're, we're doing this podcast yeah, today. Yeah, because uh, I have talked to a couple people who are like, okay, now that October's over, are you going to stop your podcast? And I was like, no, because I was looking back at all the great horror movies that just come along throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And again, I think like you said it in episode one. It's a thrill ride for you guys. And I'm just starting to understand what this thrill ride is, even though it's still terrifying, but I'm starting to understand why and and what it feeds in you. Well, in most horror movies, if you look at the release dates, a lot of them weren't released around Halloween Mm -hmm. or before Halloween. Most Halloween movies... Even Nightmare on Elm Street came out November 9th, which is more than a week after Halloween. Yeah, people have already... And if they're like us have finished shamefully all their candy. <laughs> oh, oh, we're 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 well done with that candy yeah. at this point. Yeah, and there was tons of it left over cuz we didn't have many trick or treaters this year unfortunately. Yeah, we did and uh I got cute and I cut like a little hole in the bottom of my bowl so that I could spook the kids when they came up and shove my hand in, but I did a really crappy job of cutting the hole. So like my hand was like bleeding and my wife was like you have to stop because it's literally becoming a true horror movie. You took like, it to, you <laughs> took it to extremes and yeah. I, and I've never been prouder. Yeah, you, so, the, the horror section has truly affected and infected your day-to-day life. Yeah, so just so all the parents know, we did throw out all that candy and then we started fresh with a new bowl after I had bandaged my arm up. So, we're the conscious candy givers. Don't come to the Andersons or your kids are going to catch some <laughs> weird blood disease exactly. just from the wrapper of the Nestle Crunches. Yeah. Well, so let's jump right into the movie then. Spoilers are ahead, so we'll go ahead and send off the alarm. But um, we're going to dive right in now to Wes Craven's 1984 classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Which Mike and I actually realized something, that it's called A Nightmare on Elm Street and not just Nightmare on Elm Street. Because when you're referring to this movie, I feel like you always refer to it as Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. When that first came on the screen in its cheesy 1980 title... 
I was like, Casey, it's called A Nightmare on Elm Street? That doesn't quite flow off the tongue as well. What so. it should be called is Nightmares on Elm Street. Yeah, because everybody There are multiple has, nightmares. Mm -hmm. Johnny Depp has one, Nancy has one, Tina has one. Yeah. I'm just calling Johnny Depp. Yeah, I like that he Johnny got, Depp. He got no character name. He's just Johnny Depp. Yeah, he's just getting known as Johnny Depp. Yeah, he, I think, I mean, what's his name? Oh, his name is Glenn. Glenn. Well, Let's call him Johnny Depp. Yeah, it's, Glenn. it's, a, it's a cooler name. The, I love, Wes Craven has Johnny Depp, this like heartthrob teen idol. What sexy name are you going to give him, Wes? Well, let's go with Glenn. Let's go with Glenn. <laughs> What's his last name? Is it something sexy and fun? Lance. Oh. What? Glenn That's, Lance. He's got the, he's one of those people with the two first names. Well, it's spelled L-A-N-T-Z. Ooh. Lance. Ooh, that gave him a little spunk. Glenn but, Lance. Yeah, but on their letter jackets, they never wear. <laughs> Yeah. So let's, you know, okay, so for the two of you who have not seen A Nightmare on Elm Street. No, I, Case, I'm telling you right now, we have a lot of listeners. This has been coming up. We have a lot of listeners who are me's, and they're like, I would never watch Freddy. So the plot of A Nightmare on Elm Street, again, is not the plot of Michael's robot hand glove <laughs> movie that he made up when oh, he- Oh, we're going to talk about that glove, by the uh, way. Yeah, exactly. 100%. But this is a film about four teenagers who are invaded and killed in their dreams thus then killed in reality when they wake up. So if they die in their dreams, they die in real life. And the perpetrator of these murders while they're sleeping is a burnt killer with a bladed glove known as Fred Krueger. That's right, because in this one, he's not called Freddy. They keep referring to him in this movie as Fred Krueger. Mr. Krueger, I think. Mr. I yeah. Sir Fred Krueger. Yeah. It does kind of add a formality, like, you respect Fred Krueger. Freddy's like that guy, like, oh, he's either crazy or you get along well, with him. Fred Krueger is like, that's how you refer to, like, a business associate of your dad's. So the teenagers in this film are unaware of the cause of this strange phenomenon going on in their dreams, but their parents actually hold a dark secret from long ago, which may have to do with the presence of Fred Krueger in their <laughs> dreams. So as with every one of these podcasts, I have Mike jump online and look up old VHS horror covers, and whatever jumps out at him first is saying, like, oh, that's the scariest, we'll watch that. So this week we did Nightmare on Elm Street and we kind of looked back at the original VHS horror cover of Nightmare on Elm Street. And I remember looking at this and thinking, oh shit, this actually was pretty scary. Because mm -hmm. on the back it's got Freddy on fire holding Nancy down and I didn't know it was climbing Freddy. out of a window. I didn't know that was Freddy. Yeah, they don't really show Freddy. Which was good. I thought it was just somebody, you know, because otherwise that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, they don't really, again, they don't really show. If you look up, if you can pull up online, if you have the internet near you, you look at the cover of this um, Nightmare on Elm Street and it's just this kind of like mash of Nancy's face and like a skull and the yeah. knife hand like you don't really see Freddy's face Freddy was at the forefront of every other cover after this mm -hmm. but this original one there's a little more sense of mystery to it mm -hmm. all the other ones like kind of Freddy like holding up his knife hand like giving like a wink and a smile to the camera but this one like there's a there's an element of mystery to it yeah. and maybe that was what made it so terrifying I think that's exactly it like all it was was <laughs> The murder weapon. Right. And just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where I, you, you just hear the name Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you're like, Ooh, people are going to die by chainsaws and they're going to be massacred. But this one, it was the same type of thing where it was like, hey, you ever have a nightmare? Have you ever had a nightmare with knives? Have you ever been scared? And like, like it just, it tallied up all these different things that like immediately made me say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, that being said, I was 
kind of praying that the 80s snuck their way into the movie. Oh, they definitely and did. And they did. And they did. I will go ahead and say, I thought the plot was actually incredibly enjoyable. Because I think a good movie has just a good mystery to it. And yeah. this had a great mystery to this it. This did actually have a, of, of the movies we've watched so far, this one actually did have the first mystery to yes, it. Yes, but the 80s crept in like oh, a nightmare into your dreams. It sticks out like a sore thumb. It's, it's, and actually it's one of the things that of the movies we've watched so far, I thought this one didn't hold up as well it as It did the not hold up even though I've never even seen it. I mean, yeah. you can see the props and the things and everything. But I was actually, I was more excited to watch this than some of the other ones because mm-hmm. I was this one I hadn't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. I'd seen Texas in the last few years. I'd seen Night of the Living Dead probably earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street, it's at least been five, maybe 10 years since I've seen it. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, let's jump back into this. But <laughs> the story held up. The story did held like, up. Like when she... When she was like in class and she was falling asleep and like you never knew when they were. That's still in the my reality. favorite scene. Yeah, she sees her friend in like the uh, the 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 body bag yep. walking through the hall. I mean, that's a great scene. And there's some still. Don't get me wrong. There's still some fantastic nightmarish imagery in this thing that is phenomenal. But it is totally a victim but of the eighties. Yep, the eighties. The Miami Vice was just all over that. Yeah, and the like the bad synthesizer score, not the good yeah. one where you're like, oh, this is cool. I want this on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Like the one where you're like, okay, we maybe doubled down a little too much on synthesizers <laughs> back then. Yep. On that note, I completely agree because I was familiar with that like that creepy boom 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 boom. Exactly. Boom, boom. I was scared of that. And I was like, okay, this movie's going to have an awesome score that's going to be totally frightening and completely keep me on edge. And that was the only good part of that score. (laughs) The theme, which everyone recognizes as much as you do Halloween and uh, Friday the 13th, I guess it's more of a sound effect. Or Jaws. Jaws, exactly. Like you recognize that theme. Exorcist, it has one of those iconic themes, but the rest of the score itself, (laughs) it's very 80s and kind of cheesy. Yes, yes. So Wes Craven, of course, who would go on to direct a plethora of horror films in yeah. the 80s and 90s, this was kind of his, uh, this was this was his big one. He had done Last House on the Left before this. I think Hills, yeah, Hills Have Eyes were before this, but Nightmare on Elm Street kind of shot him into the stratosphere. Wes Craven was like iconic in my mind. Like really? I knew okay. that name yeah. very clearly, even at like, even well, he at like was, 12. He was also the guy, I feel like you you would see him in interviews and you would yeah. see him make He was cameos. a personality. Yeah, he was like he was like Michael Eisner in the 80s. Mm-hmm. He was the guy putting himself out in the forefront saying like, hey, I am Wes Craven. I'm going to own this. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you about the shit I make. So Wes Craven, he came up with this idea based on actual news stories. What? Where people died in their sleep. Isn't this an urban legend? Like, I feel like we're jumping around a little bit, but I wanted to get into it. Like, isn't that myth? Don't die in your sleep. Otherwise, you won't wake up. It's like, A, who has that fact? Because the person who's dead is dead. They don't have a story to tell. Well, what's weird about this is that it it seems like something that would be told to kids. And then, you know, the parents like, no, that's not true. That didn't really happen. But yeah, it was in the New York Times in 1981. And the title of this article says, Nightmares Suspected in bed deaths of 18 Laotians. What? So 18 people from Laos died in their beds. It was actually referred to as nightmare deaths. Wow. Another article in the LA Times in 87, granted this was after the fact, but it says medical experts seek clues to nightmare deaths that strike male Asian refugees. So this was a real thing that was happening. And, And people were very confused by this. 
it, it's one of those things where, you know... It, it was the basis of urban legend forever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, have, have you ever died in your sleep? I don't think. I feel like I'm about to, like I'm falling, or like someone's about to kill me yeah. or attack me. And you and wake, then up wake up right then. You yeah. wake up right when it happens. Yeah. See, I I talked to my wife once or twice about it, and like we've both had one of those experiences where you you do die, but yet you're not dead. You know, because how can you be dead in your in your consciousness? So like we've been killed in our dreams with like something okay and then it comes back around that like you know we move on to the next dream or something like that which is really weird because i mean at the end of the day if you if you died wouldn't you cease to exist anyway so i think that that there's a circle of confusion that starts to happen in there so on our very first podcast, Mike, you mentioned you saw the cover of A Nightmare on Elm Street with your friend. So you lied and made up a story that you had already seen it. And it was about a guy with a robot hand. Robot or, hand. It was robot hand, right. Yep. But Case, I was so excited to learn why he had this robot hand. But it was just a glove that this guy wore. It was so disappointing. The very first scene in Nightmare on Elm Street is the character of Tina trapped in her dream, which is like the boiler room, which we find mm -hmm. out later at her high school. Mm -hmm. And in the background, there's like the sound of this like metal scraping and the, the boiler's going off and the fire and water dripping. Yeah. And it's very dark and, you know, dungeon-like. And then it's literally just a mangled hand who we will know later is Freddy Krueger's hand just putting on a glove yep. that has knives attached. He's, he's building it like arts and crafts, and it's like it's so non-diabolical. They look like steak knives and just like a crappy old glove he found, and he just kind of sewed it together, and I was like, well, at least he's handy. One of the things we need to talk about is that, okay, so spoiler alert, we find out that Freddy Krueger was in fact a real person who the mm -hmm. parents knew, and what he was doing is he was a child murderer. That was where it the icon of turn. Freddy, yeah. the icon of Freddy, which we'll get into like how iconic Freddy got. You were telling me some things off the air, like that there's National Freddy Day, but it took away a lot of my like hope that Freddy was just going to be this cool mythological creature. Instead, he just killed children. It was really disappointing. Well, it, 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 it brings up an interesting point because, so yes, he was a child killer. He got off on a technicality or something. They don't really get into the details of Freddy Krueger's, um, you know, trial. So the parents came along and, and and did this whole vigilante private justice thing, and they killed Freddy Krueger. And so now Freddy Krueger is haunting the children of all of these parents to get revenge. They did the right thing when, like, stupid Keystone cops were doing nothing, clearly, and they had to take out this person who was killing their children. That's so screwed up. And then when I learned that, like, all these people with their lunch pails and their their juice boxes with Freddy's face on it, which was like iconic in the 80s, were just holding child killers. It just didn't work anymore. It took yeah, away a lot of I, it. I think that's one of the things that's glossed over in kind of all of the Freddy hysteria is that he was a child murderer. Yeah. Okay, Case. So on that note, I just typed in to my computer merchandising with Freddy because when you were saying... Oh, God, you probably hit the mother load. <laughs> yeah, when you were saying that there was, like, a lunchbox and things like that, I was like, what is he talking about? There's yeah. no way that Freddy Krueger was on a lunchbox. Are you ready for the list? Yeah, let's hear some of the... I want to hear some of the merchandise that Freddy Krueger had. That parents were buying for their children. There was the Freddy Krueger yo-yo. Uh -huh. There was the inflatable Freddy Krueger for your favorite parties. And you're absolutely right. There was a CD of Freddy Krueger singing. What the hell is this? It's called the Elm Street Group, Freddy's Greatest Hits. One more. 
I remember there was like a video game too. Yeah, there's a board game. There's a board Night game. And look at this. You can wear the glove while you play it. <laughs> you can't see this at home, obviously, but like the 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 photo of the board game is a family lovingly sitting around and gathering as a family unit to play the Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street game. Why don't you try to survive? There's a doll. I mean, oh, the Freddy owns... doll. I totally remember the Freddy doll. I who wanted that so the bad. Doll? And it's a talking Freddy Krueger doll. <laughs> That's Pull this is, string. This Freddy's glove. So did well, you, that came out around Halloween. So that one, I remember that. I remember seeing that one a lot. But but that was a Halloween costume. Look at this little boy who's like <laughs> so happy that he has claw fingers. Super this is into so it. crazy. Some of this is just Halloween stuff. So of course it existed. But like a Freddy pinball game, a Freddy squishy toy, kind of like one of those uh, stress squishers. Freddy Freddy lamp. Freddy yo yo. A no parking novelty Freddy, Freddy sign. signs. Were there any characters that jumped out at you that you identified with? Did this feel like there was anybody you really sided with? Or was it more like these kind of just feel like 80s stereotypes? Or yeah, what were your thoughts on this? Because I'm on the page where I'm like, I don't really care about any of these people. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just because they're not the best actors. Yeah. I think the only character that was like in the beginning, I thought, okay, this is just a one note character was the jock. By the way, when he flipped off that person and he did it with like, I'll, I'll make the motion, which on a podcast doesn't matter, but he did it like this with the arm in the front. Yeah, Mike's, it's like a, it's like a full upper body flip off. Yeah, but like the, the forearm, don't you go like this? You, your forearm's supposed to be facing backward, not forward. Like maybe in the 80s, that's how they did it. But like, I was like, how is he flipping this person off? It's so broken. Um, but I thought his character was really interesting because at first I was like, this is the guy who's just your, you know, kind of jock, sexual predator, doesn't understand the word no and this, that, and the other thing. Right. And then when he was, falsely accused and like on the run i actually thought his acting was pretty good and like yeah that, that's actually a good point is that he kind of had to like he had to change he, he his machismo he sh had he to get shifted in his uh his um the way he approached the character the yeah. actor yeah yeah because yeah. he was full machismo and i was like this is just 1980s guy and i actually thought he was gonna die first because of the way we've watched movies in the past mm-hmm and I was like, this guy doesn't, he doesn't know the word no. He's a little bit this, this, this. And then he had to take a softer side and he had to run and, and he had to be like, please trust me. And I, I actually thought his performance was solid. And and that was me judging it from the beginning. Yeah, it's, I'll see on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That actor is Nick Corey. He played uh, another sexy character named Rod Lane. Wow, the names on I this. I did not Wes, like, come on. The Wes, names. Wes Craven has an awesome name. How can he not dole out It's pretty names? crazy that like, there's a good chance that like, other than like Laurie Strode, or um, even Nancy. I don't even know Nancy's Nancy's last name is Thompson. Yeah, but like so Laurie Strode, like a lot of these final girl names, the, basically the roles who aren't the killers, mm -hmm. it's hard to remember these people's names. Yeah. But when you give us things like Rod Lane, <laughs> it's really how hard. are we supposed to, you know, but like Sydney from Scream, everybody remembers her yes, name, you know? Yes. But like Nancy, the final girl's names you always remember, but like all the guys, mm. not so much. So on Final Girl, and going back to your question of who else did I think in this movie was an interesting character or not an interesting character. I actually thought, who was the first girl who got murdered? Uh, Tina is the character's name. Let me... Tina. Well, I The thought, actress who played her was Amanda Weiss, Amanda Wyss, W-Y-S-S. Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but... Well, it matters to her. Yeah, it matters to her. But on that, on Tina's character, 
I thought she was actually going to be the final girl because she was the one. Well, it starts out with her. Yeah. And it doesn't start out with, uh, and she survives the first dream. And. So she's in it for a little while. And she's constantly trying to convince people like, hey, something's up. And she was also one of those characters. Usually we're so used to the character who's just dumb and goes in the woods or is like yeah, sexually yeah. provocative or whatever. And, and she's just, you're like, okay, whatever. You're a knuckle skull and. Death is coming. Those but, murders happened years ago, guys. Come on, let's, yeah, let's tap the keg. Exactly. We don't even have to look behind us at that scary noise. Yeah. But no, she was like, hey, have you been having a nightmare? Have you been having a nightmare? Can you describe your She's nightmare? She's starting to deduce it. She was She's a starting total to investigate yes, it. Yeah. Yes. She was a detective and she was like caring about her friends and everything like that. And she, she did the infamous thing where like in all horror movies where they separate and they go down their own dark hallways and right, they're like, right. oh, you're an idiot. She was like, hey, everybody, come over and watch my back. And then she still got killed. I was like, son of a gun. I So, so I thought she was an interesting character. So uh, just just to close up on this thought, our two favorite characters from Nightmare on Elm Street are the two who get killed first. Yes. Ta-da! <laughs> the horror section, folks. Thank you. Thank you, Rod and Tina. You made it a wonderful <laughs> experience watching your character develop. With this movie, Mike, was there any part that you loved or hated? And I know that's a very yeah. like, broad question. One of the things I did not like is the ending, the very mm, okay. end of the movie. Yeah. And there's a funny kind of quote in, in some of the research that said, uh, Shay, the producer. Of Bob the, Shay, right? Yeah, Bob Shay. He showed the movie to his father and his father supposedly said, you fucked this movie up at the end <laughs> because you broke all the rules that had happened. Well, it fucked it up at the end based on Craven's vision because Craven wanted to end it. He wanted to kill Freddy at the mm -hmm. end and that was going to be the end of the movie. With Final girl being final girl, right. lock no, it in. No kind of like uh, loose, loose ends, yeah. open-ended to a sequel. He just mm -hmm. wanted it to end. But New Line's like, no, these things need sequels because yeah. that's how we that's make where some the money. money. Is. Yeah. So in a way, Bob Shea was right because it was success. Yeah, but he did kind success. of betray Wes Craven's original uh, intention for it. Yeah. But to be fair, like, you know, Bob, Sh Bob Shea made the right decision as a business point of view because New Line would be known until probably... I don't know, Lord of the Rings, as the house that Freddy built. Because yes. it built the empire known as New Line Cinema until it went bankrupt a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, because there's no Freddy Cougar anymore. Right. I mean, this movie, actually, the thing that got to me the most is, like, I really love sleeping. So, like, the thought of, like, something messing with my sleep, I was like, oh, hell no, Freddy. It just gets you, gets you mad. Yeah, like, how... Yeah. Like, to be that tired. Did that, did that give you, like, courage in a way watching this movie? Because you're like, this guy's fucking with my sleep. No exactly. way. I'm going to beat this guy. It's like it's like in Taken where he's like, you've messed with the wrong person. You took my family. Like, you mess with my sleep? That's, like, probably the, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, fourth most important thing to me in well, that's, the that's world. Well, Mike, you actually, this is interesting because I've always wanted to bring this up and I haven't found the right segue to do this. But there are, that might be the moment for you in horror movies where you're like, nope. I'm not messing with this. I'm not yeah. scared anymore. I'm just mad. Because for me, it's always in a horror movie when the ghost or the killer kills the dog. Oh, yeah. Like, I am all about it up till then. Like, you can pick off family members yeah. and you can pick <laughs> yeah, off yeah. people. But, like, if the spirit picks off a dog, I think it was in, I, I think it was, oh, it's Paranormal Activity 2. Mm -hmm. There's a dog and, like, it's messing with the dog. Mm -hmm. And I think at one point, I don't know if it kills the dog or it injures the dog. But I remember in that moment, I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah, now, like, now you, you mess, mess with, with my dog. <laughs> I'm getting 90 exorcists in here, and I'm going to exercise the shit out of your yeah. ass for messing with my yeah, dog. Yeah, and I hate exercising. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, Mike, 
when we watched this movie as two men in their mid to late thirties, <laughs> were you actually scared of this movie at all? Were there any times where you were like, oh shit? Because I know what you said with uh, what have we watched? Texas Chainsaw, Night, Night of the Living, Living Dead. Dead. Like there were moments like where you were actually a little like there were some eerie moments yes. and you were kind of spooked. Did any of those moments pop out at you in this? I will say, Case, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oops, sorry. A Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that hidden A. Gotta hit it. A Nightmare on Elm Street officially goes down on the Horror Section podcast as the first time I jumped and yelped. Because, and here's when it, you want to take a guess when it might have been? It's I not, th- not what you think it would be. I think I know what it was because I, I saw it happen, but I forget what it remind me. It was when she brings the phone up to her ear and the phone the is tongue? up. It's the tongue. Oh, that's went, a classic moment. And I didn't know. I, it was one of those moments where I kind of had settled. Like a phone's not going to do anything wrong. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like my, I was taking a breath and I was like just getting my wits about me. And the damn tongue sticks out. And I jumped and I went, ah! And then I looked and I was like, damn it. A Nightmare on Elm Street, you are the official king of the first guttural noise coming yeah. out of my mouth. Well, because the last few movies we've watched, like, they're all about dread. There yeah. aren't really many jump scares. There's very suspenseful. Them. Zero jump scares in Texas. Well, there's there's the guy smashing it, but it didn't spook. kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it comes out of yeah. nowhere. And Night of the Living Dead is just, like, building dread, and it's just, like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like a pressure cooker. Yeah. Because, like, oh, my God, there's more and more zombies coming. But this one, like... There are jump scares it in this. It actually made it, me jump. And actually, I would say one of the most iconic images or moments from this movie is the the phone tongue. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you jump scared at that. Because I'm like, oh, that, that like warms my heart. Because I'm like, oh, it's such an iconic moment. And I'm glad it actually got you. And it's still working, you know, 35, 36 <laughs> years after the fact. Let, let me Google real quick and see if that phone exists. Oh, the, the, the tongue phone? Mm-hmm. Looking for some, uh, well, Christmas is only a few months away, so... Oh. You can, there it is, Casey. You can officially have the Freddy Krueger tongue phone. That is creepy. You know, it doesn't surprise me, though, that this shit's on Etsy. $65 tongue phone, if anybody wants it yeah, off it's of on Etsy. Etsy, so. <laughs> you mentioned something to me after we watched the movie, which I had never made this connection before, but your one of your favorite movies of all time is... Home Alone. The 1990 classic Home Alone. Um, and... <laughs> You brought up a really funny point to me is that you liked this movie so much because the end of this movie reminded you of Home Alone? <laughs> yes, and and I bet the audience, those who are listening, could draw the parallel too. Like, at the end of the day, she was basically like, did the famous line, this is my house and I have to defend it. And like, she set up booby traps and it was the sledgehammer with the string or the exploding like light bulb. I mean, yes, it was... It was a lot more like... Home Alone 2? Yes, where like it <laughs> where, would be Where death. Kevin just turns into Jigsaw from Saw. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I just thought it was perfect because she like... I could see her like putting on her red Christmas sweater and being like, it's time. You you messed with the do, wrong do, do, house. Do, 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 and, yeah. and so I, I just drew that parallel and I was like, I love this movie. Like, let's go. Like, let's go, Nancy. Nancy was a badass at the end. You yeah. got to give her credit. And the adults in this movie... Just didn't believe her. Again, kind of like Home Alone, where the kid was left alone. And maybe Home Alone got inspiration from A Nightmare on Elm Street. That's true. That's true. So the later Nightmare on Elm Street movies, they all, they kind of get into Freddy's past a little bit, but they're all like exposition told by other Mm -hmm. characters. But mostly it's just a venue for Freddy to like kill people in crazy, interesting ways. And then 
shoot off a one-liner. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is that Wes Craven did return to the Nightmare on Elm Street series with the final Freddy... Well, no, I guess it wasn't the final Freddy film. One of the last ones called A New Nightmare, which is a very meta film. And you mm-hmm. have Heather Langenkamp playing herself, Wes mm-hmm. Craven playing himself, even Bob Shea, who is the New Line executive. He shows up and plays himself, and it's about them making the most terrifying Freddy movie, but Freddy starts to infiltrate their lives mm-hmm. and their dreams. It's very meta. Very meta. Sounds, very meta, yeah. very cool. It's actually, I would love to see that one again, because in my mind, that feels like the true sequel. And there are people, though, out there who say that Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is good as well. I still think it suffers a little bit from the 80s mm-hmm. uh, syndrome, yeah. <laughs> but that one was actually co-written by Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell, who did the reboot of The Blob in the mm-hmm. 80s. Of course, Frank Darabont would go on to dominate in uh, the Stephen King adaptation mm-hmm. world with Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, The Mist, and then, of course, he's known as co-creating The Walking Dead on AMC. Yeah. So no stranger to horror. So um, Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is a great one to visit. But, you know, if you're looking back for the original one to start with, go back to the original Nightmare on Elm Street. There is also a remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. It came out in 2009 um, that I saw. I didn't mind. I didn't. didn't It was a remake of this exact movie. It was a remake of the very first one. And Jackie Earl Haley, uh, the actor who was in Little Children, he was also in Watchmen. He Mm -hmm. played Freddy Krueger in that one. And he was fine, but it just, it it lacked some of like, it obviously lacked the jokes and the one-liners, but it lacked some of the edge that Robert Englund brought to the first one, because Mm -hmm. in this one, he is terrifying. Yeah. He was more scary Freddy than jokester MC Freddy. I think that's a good point. And in my research leading up to this, when I was just reading about it after, after we watched it, and I was captured by the same thing. I was like, Freddy is a great character and like super captivating. And I read that Wes Craven was going to just do like a stuntman. And then he was like, he thought better of it. And now he has this, you know, amazing uh, legacy because of Freddie. But he thought better of it. And he said, I need a classically trained actor to do this so that I can have a character. And I think, again, 80s out of it, 80s removed. And we'll get to the ending later, removing the ending as well. This is a great movie. It's mysterious. It's well acted. It's well portrayed. I thought it was decently shot. Well, it gave a little more meat to the kind of the, the slasher films because this came out in 84. So by this point, you've already had at least two Halloweens. Um, you've had, I think, one or two, maybe three Friday and the 13th. Mm-hmm. So Casey's pe- doing this, by the way, with no notes. He does everything <laughs> with no notes. I have a stack of papers in front of me. And I'm always trying to check my facts. So if Casey's ever wrong on his facts, which, by the way, we've heard he's been wrong once or twice, he's literally doing it off the top of his head. So forgive us, forgive him for just being a horror guru and getting his facts sometimes slightly mixed up. But that's incredible. I'm pretty close. I'm pretty pretty near the date. But if I am wrong on anything, please feel free to call me out (laughs) on my shit on social media (laughs) because I could be taken down a peg or two. Um, But I think... Wes Craven did something smart here is that he gave his uh, killer a little more depth. Mm -hmm. He gave his killer a little more personality because by this point, you know, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, they're just walking killing machines. They don't say anything. They don't have a personality, which adds to their horror. I'll give them that. But they is their character. They don't really have like, it feels like Freddy is three steps ahead of these people. Yes. Like Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, they just have the ax. They Mm -hmm. just have the knife. But 
that's all they have. They chase yeah. him down. If you get away from him, you're fine. But Freddy's like, oh, you think you're getting away, but yeah. I've already planned ahead. Yeah. I put yeah. a brick wall there because I have this, you know, almost supernatural quality to control your dreams. Well, maybe that leads us right into it. Can we talk about what the hell are the rules to this world? Are there any rules? Because I didn't understand how anyone actually ever escaped. Not in this one. They didn't really establish that. Because I think this one, like you said, is more about the mystery. Mm -hmm. In later Freddy movies, there are rules. They yeah. start establishing things, but then they juxtapose those rules or they or they go back on those rules and mm -hmm. they completely break them. But there are no rules in this. It's, yeah. That's the, that is the crazy thing. Because it's like... Are you in control of your dream or is Freddy in control yeah, of your dream? Yeah. There's so, a there's a there's a term called um lucid dreaming, which I don't know if you're familiar with yes. that though. But it's basically when you realize when you're in your dream. I've done it once or twice. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool, but it's never in a dream where it's really that amazing things control. are happening. Yeah, where it's it's basically meaning you can control your yep. dream. So it's it's I think at some point in this movie, Nancy almost becomes a lucid dreamer because yeah. she's like, I'm going in to fight Freddy. And yeah. then she has Glenn stay up while she goes in and fights him. Yeah. You know, because that was he, the thing. He it's stays like up have, poorly. Oh yeah, Glenn totally screwed <laughs> up. Johnny Depp fucked it up. Yeah, because he's got a name Glenn. <laughs> yeah. If you'd named him Johnny Guitar Depp, yeah. it would have been a little cooler. Might have stayed up a little yeah. later. Glenn Lance is just gonna fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about with these rules. They were so vague, like Freddy's arms could grow as long as a tree branch, but yet he couldn't technically kill these people easily. I think I think what the rule is, now that I'm talking out loud about it, I think the rule was Freddy just really wanted to screw with people. Yeah. And he didn't even need to kill them. It was more the fun of him having fun with these kids because he thought he was probably immortal. Yeah. So. Well, I think one of the fun things about Dream Warriors, which is Nightmare on Elm Street 3, is that it's a team of kids who realize like, oh, if Freddy can, you know, play around and fuck around in these dreams, yeah. so can we. Yeah. And you start to see them like take on like their, you know, th their hopes and their dreams and like this one kid who's in a wheelchair, it's like he can walk and mm -hmm. he can fight, you know, so that it's kind of cool that they're like, oh, if Freddy can play by these rules, so can we. I think that kind of brings us to the end of the podcast where yeah. it's time to choose the next movie. So we've had, we've, so we've conquered one face of the Mount Rushmore of horror, mm -hmm. Freddy. Yes. But before we move on to the other uh, presidents of horror on that mountain, uh, you know, Jason and Michael Myers. Yeah. And putting Scarface on as the missing ear Jefferson. <laughs> you mean Leatherface? Leatherface? <laughs> not yeah, Al not Scarface. Yeah, Al Pacino's not up there. Um, what but, the hell am I up there, man? <laughs> I seem really out of place. <laughs> but instead of scaling the Mount Rushmore of horror and going into- I don't think they let you climb that. Jason or Michael Myers territory, mm -hmm. I was thinking, why don't we watch a movie that had a VHS cover that I was scared of as a kid. Oh, I'm so intrigued now. Right, I'm gonna have you look it up right now. Okay. The movie is called The Dead Don't Die. Well, and I don't I think care George, for the title already. And I think George Hamilton was in it, if you even know who that name is. Yeah, I, I do know who that is. He always but... has a really fake looking tan. Yes. So, there it is. Oh, The wow. Dead Don't Die. So Case, to me, off of a 1975 cover like this, I am, Absolutely excited for this because it doesn't look scary at all. This is a but, cover that doesn't scare you. And no. it doesn't scare me now, but I'll tell you why this movie's... And maybe I'll get into this next week and I'll say why it scared me yes. in next week's podcast. But I think we're going to watch this. We're going to watch the 1975 movie, The Dead Don't Die, because this cover, for some reason when I was a kid, always scared the hell out of me. An occult classic of all time. Yeah. Is that how you say it? An occult? Occult. Occult. Yeah. Occult. The occult. 
or the occult. I don't know. Now you're having me question what it is. <laughs> but um, so I think that's what we're going to watch next week is we're going to take a little detour from these classic horror movies. And we're going to watch one that scared me as a kid. And I don't know if anybody is out there has even seen it. Or if you haven't seen it, make sure to watch it. And then you can join us in our commentary on yes. it next week. But, um, so this week we, uh, explored a nightmare on Elm Street and next week we go, we go a little, we go a little left turn and, uh, we're going to watch the 1974 movie, The Dead Don't Die, starring George Hamilton and Ray Milland. The zombies are taking over the world. I'm sure the budget's big enough to show the whole world. Oh, My sure. guess is it's one room. Oh, I'm sure these zombies are fully taking over Van Nuys. Yes, exactly. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in with us this week. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter. I am Casey Campbell. And I'm Michael Anderson. Thanks for checking out the horror section.